Let us pray together. Risen Christ, show up among us yet again that we might come to believe in you. In your name we pray. Amen. If you are standing at home, you may be seated. You are well aware, I'm sure, that over the last few weeks, there has been a run on all things cleaning supplies, from Lysol to Clorox wipes, hand sanitizers and hand soaps, and then also toilet paper. What you may not know, though, is sidewalk chalk has also occasionally been in short supply. Perhaps this is a surprise to you, but your neighbors and mine have been buying up sidewalk chalk for their children and for themselves. People have not only been using the chalk to give them something to do when opportunities for entertainment are limited and diversions are sparse, They've also been using the chalk to communicate with neighbors, loved ones, and others that they're not getting to interact with in their regular ways. Early in April, NBC shared a story about people using sidewalk chalk to, quote, transform concrete into a canvas of hope. The story told about people communicating everything from the practical to the inspirational with their messages. Some of these included things like, better days are ahead, big hugs, it's okay if you ate all your snacks already, it won't always be this way. In Durham on the American Tobacco Trail, one caring neighbor drew two hearts six feet apart. And in between those hearts, the person wrote, love is in the space between us. This practical and powerful reminder to maintain social distance speaks to the way that in this season of life, maintaining distance is an act of love. And love is what fills that space that we leave in between us and our neighbors. Love is in the space between us. I'm not sure if Thomas, the disciple called the twin, would be on board with this statement though. Distance late on Resurrection Sunday was not at all what he needed. The space between him and the resurrected Lord was troubling at best and relationship crushing, which is to say unloving at worst. For some unknown reason, Thomas was not with the other disciples, tucked away in that locked room at the end of the day. Earlier that day, Mary Magdalene proclaimed to the disciples that Jesus had appeared to her early in the dawn of that Easter morning. And the disciples' response to her glorious testimony was to shelter in place. This was no stay-at-home order. This was an act of sheltering in place, like you might do if a storm was headed straight for your house or if there was a threat of imminent and violent danger in your neighborhood. 
the disciples locked themselves in the room out of fear of what might happen once others realized that Jesus was no longer in the tomb. And right into their midst, Jesus showed up. The one who is the door to eternal life was not stopped by fear's locked door. Instead, Jesus came among them, bearing the marks of the holy hell that he had been through and showing them his nail-scarred hands and his spear-pierced side. To those gathered disciples, the crucified and risen Christ spoke peace and breathed on them the Holy Spirit and called and empowered them to be a community marked by forgiveness. Yet Thomas was missing. We often call him Doubting Thomas, but perhaps it would be better to call him Missing Thomas. He missed the wonder, joy, hope, and relationship created by the Savior showing up on Resurrection Day. He missed the Lord offering a personal and experiential encounter to those in the room on that day. Perhaps you feel like you missed the Easter experience too. For some unexplainable reason, you too just weren't in the room. Oh, don't get me wrong, you probably watched one or several Easter services, but the experience and encounter just didn't happen for you. And now, a week later, you are wondering why nothing seems to have changed either with your external circumstances or your internal disposition. Perhaps many of us feel deep within us some of Thomas's struggle today. Maybe you long to touch or to be touched, to see or to be seen by someone who carries in his or her own being marks of God's demonstrable love. And today you find yourself needing Jesus to reveal himself again so that you might believe. Well, you're in good company with missing Thomas. When Thomas finally joined the other disciples as one late to the party, he struggled to believe what the others told him. He needed something more. He needed his own encounter, his own experience, his own opportunity to see and touch the Lord. What he needed was the same thing each of the other disciples had already been given. The other disciples had a chance to see the marks of the nails in Jesus' hand and to look at and perhaps even touch his side. It wasn't too much for Thomas to ask the same. Jesus' ministry, after all, had been entirely human and incredibly sensory. Jesus' ministry had been all about touching and tasting, seeing and smelling that opened up the way 
to believing. So why not expect a fully human sensory experience with the Savior for Thomas too? Thomas, like the other disciples, didn't simply need proof that Jesus was more than a ghostly vision. He, like them, simply didn't need proof that Jesus was raised bodily from the dead, confirming who Jesus said he was. Thomas, like the others, needed a personal encounter that demonstrated to him that Jesus remained in touch with the wounds of the world and connected to the horrors of humanity, even while transforming them into something new. Thomas needed the one who claimed to be the eternal and everlasting I am to hold eternally within himself the woundedness of humankind. For Thomas, the space between felt more like a gash in the bonds of their relationship than it felt like a holy love. So he said, Unless I put my fingers in the marks of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. No space between. Hand in the Lord's side. Fingers in the nail marks. Touching again his beloved then believing. Then Thomas will believe the God-man who died to show his love for him. A week later, the second Sunday of Easter, Jesus showed up again to the disciples, and this time Thomas was there. Again, Jesus breathed on them peace. Peace be with you. Apparently, even those believing disciples needed a reminder of Jesus' abiding peace that surpasses all understanding. I suspect we need a reminder occasionally, too. Then Jesus turned to Thomas and offered him just what he needed. Touch my hands. Touch my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. Jesus did not offer a dogmatic formula or a creed or even a statement of faith to which Thomas should give his assent. These kinds of statements at their best point beyond themselves anyway, so Jesus doesn't point to them. And Jesus did not ask, do you accept the fact I've been raised from the dead and wait for an affirmative answer from Thomas? No, he offered Thomas something much more life-giving. Jesus offered Thomas the opportunity to confess a relationship marked by Jesus providing just what Thomas needed. Believing is about having your own encounter with the living word made flesh. 
And after his encounter, Thomas exclaimed, my Lord and my God. Thomas emphatically affirmed the reality of his relationship with Jesus. My Lord, my God. What Jesus spoke next wraps us and all those who have followed after Thomas right into this story. Jesus said, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Blessed. You who have somehow believed even after Jesus has gone to sit at the right hand of the Father, you are blessed. Blessed, you who have not been able to put your hands in Jesus' side or your fingers in the nail holes and yet have a relationship with the Lord, you are blessed. Blessed, you who experience deep within your soul God's love for you in spite of longing for a touch or a sight of the Lord, you are blessed. Blessed, you who've come to believe, even though the space between us and our Lord doesn't feel like love or blessing at all, you are blessed. Blessed, you for whom the distance feels like a wound and the struggle to find signs of resurrection life seem incredibly immense, yet nevertheless, you have come to believe. Jesus says, you are blessed. This blessing is yours. But perhaps this isn't all there is to the story. In the most matter-of-fact sense, those who first received John's gospel writings and all those after have not yet, have not seen or touched Jesus's resurrected body. In the most matter-of-fact sense, Jesus has not shown up in the middle of the disciples to be physically touched and seen since he ascended to be with his father. But in a broader, an equally real sense, Jesus has shown up. Jesus has not left us merely to give assent to some facts about an intangible and disembodied Savior. No, personal encounter and receiving just what we need remain essential to a relationship with the God who, who in Jesus came to be with us. So Jesus offers himself to us a long time away from those disciples gathered in that room. Earlier in John's gospel, Jesus told his followers, very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do works that I do. And in fact, will do great, greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Jesus proclaimed that the community of belief will continue because his work will continue in the love enacted between them. Jesus said, 
just as I have loved you, so you should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Through his disciples, through the community of people whose encounter with the Lord has resulted in a relationship of deepening trust. Through these, Jesus continues to show up, nail-scarred and, and spear-pierced, to reveal his love even in the space between us. At the end of the story, the gospel writer adds an editorial note that speaks to how Jesus continued to be present among his disciples in ways that weren't recorded in the scriptural account. It says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. Jesus did many other signs not written in John's book. The living Christ does many other signs not written in this book. Through the community of his followers, Jesus continues to do other signs so that many may come to confess a relationship with him, the very relationship that gives life abundant, eternal, and blessed. I have not placed my hands in Jesus's literal side or looked upon his actual nail-scarred hands, but during this time where the space between us is a demonstration of our love, I surely have witnessed the resurrected Christ. I surely have witnessed our living Lord doing many other signs not recorded in John's book, and I have surely been blessed. The crucified and risen Lord did many other signs when one congregation family waved their fern-cum palm branches in a proclamation of praise on Palm Sunday before pacing the pavements that afternoon in a virtual crop hunger walk to raise money and awareness for the neediest neighbors of our community and the world. Blessed. The crucified and risen Lord did many other signs when a Duke religious life group decided to give the surplus of their ministry funds for the year to the furloughed workers of an eatery they regularly frequented on Duke's campus. Blessed. The crucified and risen Lord did many other signs when a sewing congregation member and a concerned chapel staffer recognized the need for cloth masks for a broad range of people. These two helped inspire another Durham church to provide over 400 masks in just two weeks for food co-op workers, prisoners, guards, and the chaplains for them, cancer patients, and hospital social workers, just to name a few. Blessed. 
the crucified and risen Lord did many other signs when last Sunday congregation members called one another to pass the peace of Christ with those they don't get to see. Blessed. The crucified and risen Lord did many other signs in the presence of those who are looking for love in the space between us. Signs I have not yet recorded in this sermon. Blessed. You've witnessed signs like these too. You've even been part of them. Perhaps you too have been filled with blessings by them and they've strengthened your relationship with God who gives life in Jesus' name. Perhaps they've provided for you the nail holes to touch and the wounded side to feel. And though these signs are not written in John's gospel, they may well be the good news story you need to hear and share today. They may well be the very blessing desperately needed by those looking for the crucified and risen Lord today. And as we share these stories of these signs, and as we see and hear the way God's people demonstrate Christ's love, Thomas's words may well form on the lips of many, perhaps even on mine and yours in an ever deepening proclamation of our belief. My Lord and my God, amen.